0: Week nine is almost in the books. One more tonight in New Orleans, the Saints taking on John Harbaugh's upstart Baltimore Ravens. What a wild Sunday it was and uh, what, what fun it's going to be for me to spend the next half an hour or so with you, the fan of the National Football League as I am, and the drama this year is thick, and there is no way after almost nine weeks now with one game remaining to confidently project anybody to be in the winner's circle on that first Sunday in February. I, I, you could say the Bills, but guess what? They lost to Zach Wilson yesterday, and Josh Allen took a beating, and his elbow is bothering him. So there are blemishes on every team in the league even the great teams but uh, I want to get to some of the some of the biggest stories out of the NFL yesterday of course that will be Aaron Rodgers heavy and also the battle of two recent Super Bowl champions last year's champion Rams versus the 2020 season champion, uh, Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you wouldn't have been able to tell either of those teams that played in a game with Roman numerals on it if you watched that punt fest yesterday late afternoon. But, of course, for the Danny Mac Podcast listeners, we start you with, uh, with Chicago Bears football because, man, it has gotten damn exciting, hasn't it? Even in defeat yesterday, 35-32 to the Dolphins. On a sunny day at Soldier Field, the second-year quarterback, Justin Fields, is arriving as one of the most exciting players in the league. There is no disputing that. Fields yesterday, as you know, setting an NFL record for the most rushing yards in a regular season game by a quarterback with 178 yards. And uh, I'm usually pretty good with, with numbers and and recall on on records like obscure records like most rushing yards by a quarterback and i'd heard one of the broadcasters reference colin kaepernick uh for a big day he had with the 49ers 10 years or so ago and i i thought that number was 174 i had 174 Etched indelibly in my brain, but that's that's a little bit short. Actually, Kaepernick against the Packers in a playoff game the year Jim Harbaugh's 49ers went to the Super Bowl, ran for 181 yards. That is the only total, and that's a playoff game. That's the only total for a quarterback better than what Fields was able to accrue yesterday. He is a video game, he is magic. He turns nothing into something, is a tremendous threat on third down, and is smartening up on learning when to get the hell out of harm's way, when to make that move out of the pocket, find the sticks, and get to them. He's getting very, very good at that. And as a passer, Fields is making radical improvements. The Bears got hosed yesterday. I don't like to do this too often, but if you are jumping up and down and screaming about the non-pass interference call when Chase Claypool, who had two catches in his debut yesterday for the Bears, all of 13 yards, I think, he was pulled on, he was tugged on, he was violated in almost every way imaginable by uh, Miami corner Keon Crossen, yet there was no call. That comes on a third down and long. The Bears at their own 42-yard line, trailing by the eventual final score, 35-32. There is no call, even though it was clear Claypool was mugged. And on fourth down, Equinemia St. Brown can't get his hands around a beautifully thrown ball by Fields. That would have resulted um, in, at the minimum, the Bears kicking a field goal and taking that thing into overtime. So as hard as they played offensively, and as well as they did against the Miami running game defensively, that's one thing I will give the Bears defense some credit for. They've been a little better of late in stopping the run. They deserve to win the football game in a lot of ways. Now you could say, well, how in the F can you say that? when you allow a blocked punt for a touchdown. And I want to get to the most satisfying sound in all of sports in just a couple of minutes because that's what the blocked punt provides for me. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, his (laughs) 25-yard return uh, of a blocked punt for a touchdown. Jalen Phillips with the block. And uh, why Trenton Gill, the Bears' rookie punter, ever decided to go ahead and try to unleash that punt with the pressure he had on him is is crazy to me I, I don't know how you can make that decision I know you're a first year player but you should know by now you got to eat that one and chances are excellent your team is going to pay for it but the double the double thud um that's going for six that deep in your own end and it was a terrible decision by Gill to try and make the punt but there is so much good news. Regarding the Bears' offense, big picture. In their last three games, they now have scored 94 points. And they came into Sunday's date against Mike McDaniels' Dolphins, leading the NFL in rushing. And then they go out and tack on 252 more yards, large part courtesy of Fields with his regular season record of 178. Um, The two running backs, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, were incidental to yesterday's game. The story was all fields as a runner. Uh, and and the Bears, as I mentioned, did a nice job stopping the Miami running game, uh, what there is of the Miami game. Jeff Wilson, the newcomer, acquired to boost the Dolphins in the backfield from San Francisco at the trade deadline. Nine carries only for 51 yards. Raheem Mostert also carried nine times for 26 yards and a touchdown. Um, to taglia Viola, not not much as a runner yesterday. Five attempts, he didn't gain any yards. So the Bears do a nice job against the one and two running backs of the Dolphins, but uh, had very few answers for the Dolphins' prolific passing game. And Chase Claypool set himself up for ridicule last week when he implied he is among the NFL's top five wide receivers. And I joked on Friday's podcast, you're going to see two of the NFL's on paper top five wide receivers in Hill, Tyreek Hill, number 10, and in Jalen Waddle, the kid from Alabama. Got yeah, her all from Alabama. Maybe one day one of these Alabama guys will score a touchdown in a Super Bowl. That'd be a first, but uh, they they were terrific yesterday and the Bears had few answers for it. Hill on the day, seven catches, 143 yards and a touchdown. He was targeted eight times. Waddle targeted seven more times. He caught five of them for 85 yards and a tutty. Wilson also a tutty coming out of the backfield, three catches for 21 yards. Darnell Mooney's stats were not exceptional yesterday, but he made yet another fantastic catch. He is developing a highlight reel. Now that the Bears are halfway home in this NFL season. You got two good ones. You got that catch against the Vikings, and you have the one he made yesterday, which was artful. And Fields has put the ball in spots where he didn't get catches, but spots where only his guy can catch the ball, and his receiver's Don't make those plays. Mooney has made a few, as I just mentioned. The one yesterday and the one against Minnesota early on at their place. You got to, if you're going to go to the next level, you have got to find some wide receivers who can make these tricky catches. And St. Brown yesterday was targeted only twice. He didn't catch one of them. And on that fourth down play, Man, when they showed you that, it always looks worse on on slow motion replay, but the ball was spinning perfectly toward his hands. He had the arms extended out, the hands extended, and it just squirts right through his hands. He doesn't make the squeeze. He doesn't get the catch, and the Bears lose the game. But uh, it's a coming-out party for lack of a better turn of a phrase for fields more than anything this week. And I think America now is aware of just how potent he is as a runner. So I am with you bears fans in your want to be pleased with the development of your franchise quarterback, which you've not had, uh, since I I don't know, I'm tired of talking about all the guys who've done it. I'm tired of talking about guys who none of us have seen fricking play the game. Fields might be that guy, but you have got to get some of these clown bags off your roster, as Ryan Poles did a few weeks ago with uh, Amir Smith Marset, acquired during training camp, a Vikings cast off. Because of injuries to Byron Pringle, who's yet to make uh, make a splash. They've gotten very little out of Nikhil Harry, a late first round pick of New England a few years ago, just a couple years ago. Uh, he was he got on the field yesterday, he's targeted twice. You're you're getting almost nothing from these guys. And Dante Pettis is a high effort guy. Fields likes him, but he's just a guy. You got Darnell Mooney as the only legitimate wide receiver on this roster until Claypool proves he can fit in, and I don't even need him to be one of the top five. Be in the top fifteen, that would be a tremendous upgrade from what this dude has accomplished two and a half years into his NFL career. Twenty twenty draft pick, and uh, just has not has not been the player on Sundays. He thinks he is whenever he starts to chirp. With the Bears' big day on the ground, they joined some elite company yesterday. The 1976 Pittsburgh Steelers are the only other team in the Super Bowl era joining the Bears. Actually, the Bears joined them. Steelers did it first, 76 before 22. To rush for 225 yards or more in four consecutive games. Those 76 Steelers didn't win the Super Bowl. That might have been their best team. Of the four Super Bowl champs they had in the 70s, beginning with the 74 team that beat the Vikings in Super Bowl nine, then they won again the next year. They had a two-year layoff from getting to the Super Bowl, 76, because of the injuries and again 77, and then they won Super Bowls again after the 78 and 79 seasons. That 76 team probably the best of the bunch. I think they pitched five shutouts in their final nine games of the year. Jack Lambert took that defense by the shirt collar after a a very rough start and says, with our injuries on offense, we are going to have to be the reason this team gets back to the big one. We have got to play uh, out of our minds. And they did. That was the best Steelers defense they had in that era. (laughs) but they didn't win the Super Bowl. Nonetheless, the Bears joining some very elite company. The Steelers, of course, running game anchored by Hall of Famer Franco Harris and a very, very good, I guess you'd say stable mate, backfield mate, in Rocky Blyer, the dude from Notre Dame, featured in the made-for-TV movie Fighting Back starring Robert Urich as Rocky Blyer. He was a Vietnam veteran and uh, lost part of one of his feet, a couple of the tips of his toes, in Vietnam. The only player in league history, if anyone asks you, to play with a shoe that's a size different on one foot compared to the other. So while you're you're jumping up and down, Bears fans, over Justin Fields, I want to ask you to jog your memory and give me that team in NFL history that even won its conference because its quarterback was such a dynamic runner. Can you think of one? You might be thinking of the aforementioned Colin Kaepernick, 49ers lost to the Ravens in that Super Bowl in New Orleans after the 2012 season. But you'd be wrong because Frank Gore was a part of that Niners team. Gore, for my money, an easy first ballot Hall of Famer, even though there are some who call what he did in his career counting stats. When you get into the top three or four in rushing yards in NFL history, man, you've effing done something. Give me counting stats. I understand what that means but that's that's more for the Dave Craigs of the world uh, who once was in the NFL's top 10 in all-time passing yards because he survived for so long and garnered enough starts on enough different teams to accrue some pretty big career numbers. Those are counting stats. To stay healthy in the NFL, to hang around for a dozen years, and while Gore never was the best, at his position in the league to do it as effectively as he did as long as he did and to wind up where he well it's it's an easy one that that he belongs in the hall of fame but he led those 49ers in rushing yards can you think of any team in the bears division that that was that success was more predicated on the running game i can't either Dante Culpepper had a nice run with the Vikings. You might recall those '98 Vikings who came up short of getting to the Super Bowl when Brian Billick, the offensive coordinator at the time, those Vikings set a record at the time for most points scored in an NFL season—550 or something like that—just an absurd number of points. But that was a team that that liked to throw the football as well, and uh, there were there were other teams. You, you've seen in Minnesota history, going way back to the Fran Tarkenton era, but even Tark wasn't their best running back once Chuck Foreman came on board. My point is this. It's not sustainable. You can't go into an NFL season, even an NFL, well, maybe you can on a week-to-week basis if it's predicated on what your opponent does or doesn't do well. But you can't look at your quarterback's ability to make chicken salad out of chicken shit as the, as the number one source of, of prosperity for your offense. You, you can't have that. That can't be what you do best. You're telling me the Bears' best play is broken down protection? And the broadcasters yesterday, wanting to give credit to both offensive lines, I you know I didn't see maybe because the Dolphins didn't allow a sack the whole day. I think that's more on the Bears' lack of of talent on their front seven. They only had one last week against Dallas, Jaquan Brisker, not a front seven player. But uh, the offensive line to me for the Bears still is is making fields, tuck it away way too quickly he has been decisive he only was sacked a couple of times yesterday so good for him for for getting the hell out of there but so many of those dramatic runs and he had 17 rushing attempts on the day uh god that's <laughs> that that's not a recipe for success and you can say well why do people like the ravens so much well you know m- You're right, but Lamar Jackson also has thrown for more than 300 yards a handful of times in his career with three touchdown games on his resume. You don't have a lot of that in Justin Fields, and with the guys he has around him, I don't see that changing this season. If Claypool gets better, Claypool and Mooney, there's there's a start. Cole Komet played better Sunday in the loss to the Dolphins. Cole Komet uh, determined as a runner, had a nice angry run to get underneath the pads of a guy who got really low and gained the marker. But uh, th- this club is too thin at the receiver position, and you have a good running game with Montgomery and Herbert, even though it wasn't evidenced yesterday. Yeah, 252 rushing yards, is effing impressive. But when you look at what your running backs did, In tandem, uh, 21 carries for uh, 59 yards. 21 carries, 59 yards between the two of them with a long run of eight. I cannot give a lot of credit to the Bears' offensive line when your long run for the day is eight out of your running backs in 21 collective attempts. And, of course, Fields with the magical 61-yard touchdown run, just, just tremendous. But that's not an offensive line helmet sticker. If we can go to the high school level, that's not a block for touchdown. That's, that's your quarterback bailing your asses out because either nobody's open or protection is just for shit. And he's got no choice. I just don't think you can win this way. And they didn't win yesterday. They were screwed by the uh, non-call on Claypool, but they didn't win the game. The block punt is, is as much of a reason why, as any there there was a terrible mistake I think Mike McDaniel made late in the game I want to talk about and I've been flapping for almost 20 minutes before I got to this to prove to you it's not just about me and my wagers or my fantasy football team but I played Miami yesterday minus four and when they're leading by three late in the game McDaniel decided to go for it on fourth and three. I think they were at about the Bears' 17 or 18-yard line, so it's fourth and three. If you kick the field goal, that's if you're at the 18, that's then a 35-yard field goal attempt. You're basically kicking a PAT. I know they're not automatic, but you go up by six points with the field goal and make the Bears beat you with less than two minutes to go or with about two minutes to go. Make them beat you with a touchdown. Not give them just a chance. You give fields two big rushes and you get in field goal territory. Now you're now you're going to, into overtime if Cairo Santos trots out there and ties the game up at 35. Yeah, I wanted the cover, but just from a football standpoint, it's just stupid. McDaniel didn't put points on the board. And you could say, Mac, you're wrong. The play was there, Tua made a terrible pass. That's right, but terrible passes happen, drops happen. Why not take what is a, a close to a certainty and have your kicker come out there for the 35-yarder to go up by six points? He gave the Bears a chance to tie the game and take it into overtime with just a field goal, and I wouldn't have done that. If if I were McDaniel, I would have kicked a field goal. We like points in our house. Call us crazy. So when you think of the most the sweetest sounds in all of sports, do you think of your driver making contact with the titleist sitting on the tee below it? That's a good one. The whooshing sound of the swing, accompanied by that ping when the ball explodes off the head of your driver, the face of your driver. How about uh, the sound of the net on a 25 yard jump shot that is clean of iron, that doesn't touch any iron, just that thwoosh of the net? Those are all great sounds. The crack of the bat. Hell, the popping of the glove when a pitcher is hitting upper 90s. That catcher, when he gets that catcher in the right part of his mitt, that popping sound, most satisfying. To me, it's the double thud. It's the thwack of the punt and the thud of the block. And Jalen Phillips of the Dolphins had that block of Trenton Gill yesterday who was smothered. There, there's no way you're going to get that kick away. If you eat it, the Dolphins have the ball deep in your end. They're almost in the red zone. But you, you'd rather eat it than have it returned 25 yards by Andrew Van Ginkle. For the touchdown Van kinkle the long-haired reserve uh gets a game ball for returning the Phillips block for a touchdown. That was one of two block punts in the NFL yesterday at least two that I saw there may have been others you know I'm always scouring highlight reels for block punts and safeties. The Patriots got one on Indianapolis yesterday tough day for Indianapolis. uh want to wrap up the Bears and Dolphins on on what the Bears are struggling with defensively. They negated anything the Dolphins tried to do on the ground. And Miami is not a particularly strong running team, but I thought they would get a little bit better against the Bears' run defense, which just two weeks ago was among the most porous in the NFL. Miami averages just 3.3 yards per rush yesterday, 23 attempts as a group for 77 yards. But the Dolphins did average 7.2 yards per play because of those chunk plays. Chunk plays to Hill and to Waddle. And on occasion, Jeff Wilson. That's all they needed. The Bears didn't record a sack yesterday. That's another week without a set. They they only had one last week against the Cowboys. The Bears didn't force a turnover against the Dolphins. That is not the way to make life easy on an offense that until the last three games has been struggling. You have got to take the ball away. And because you're giving up those big plays, You got to make some of them on your own, man. I mean, that's an obvious one. That's what Eberflus's rep was when he came here. Oh, look at that Colts defense last year, leading the NFL in takeaways. Yeah, they had Darius Leonard when he was at the top of his game. He's not doing much this year when he's been available for the Colts. But um, that has not made its way to Chicago just yet. The Bears defense has has been very, very suspect. Probably the biggest story around the country, uh, if there were water coolers, if people did convene around the water cooler, they don't work together anymore. Everybody wants to work at home. But those guys who work construction and and visit at their lunch break, they go have a smoke or whatever, they're going to be talking about the demise of Aaron Rodgers because his production has fallen precipitously. And the Packers, who were among the favorites to represent the NFC, In the Super Bowl, went down again yesterday. The fifth straight loss for Green Bay, which is now three and six. Detroit wins the game 15 to nine. Rodgers threw three first half picks, two of them balls in the end zone, one of them right near the Detroit goal line. They're doing a tackle-eligible play with David Bakhtiari. They've gotten so desperate. Matt LaFleur drawn it up in the sand for the Packers because there are injuries to other players. And Aaron Jones, the running back, left the game and uh, after the game was spotted in a walking boot. That'd be a good song by Dewey Cox, by the way. Um, walking boot. Uh, it's kind of, call it a sequel to Walk Hard. So the Packers lose for the five, fifth straight time. Um Rogers's poor play has been more responsible for these recent bad weddings than anything. Those three interceptions all deep in in Lions territory and the Lions turned it over only once. Green Bay is just reeling and I don't have much faith they're going to be able to get their way out of this. I I don't – and Rodgers yesterday was philosophical after the game and, and, you know, there were people trying to get him to say maybe he has regret that he returned and he should have retired and he won't go in that direction. And he said, I know people are going to be counting us out and we'll see how we respond. Yes, people are counting you out and I'm among them. I don't think at three and six, based on the way it's gone for the Packers, they can recover and make a wild card. I there. There's no way they're going to catch the seven and one now Vikings. That's not going to happen. But of the of the huge household name NFL players in recent years, I don't know if there's been anybody who has been more polarizing than Rodgers. More capable of earning the ire of a nation. Oh boy, the the muscle thumbs are out there. All the Twitter people getting their pound of flesh on Aaron Rodgers. And he he deserves a lot of it. He has been a douche. There's, there's no question. There hasn't been a bigger one in the NFL the last couple of years. So a lot of people thoroughly enjoying his, uh, his precipitous drop from, from greatness. This has just been a dreadful season for Rodgers. Packers lose to the Lions, 15-9. Could it cost Dan Campbell the game? I just want to say this real fast. And, I again, I want to take points. I am a take-the-points man more often than not. When the Lions went up 15, or I'm sorry, they went up 14-9. to Why in the world do you not go for two now, it's early fourth quarter, okay? But it's also Aaron Rodgers who's still capable of cutting your heart out and feeding it to you. Because what's what's the difference between six or five? And then there's nothing. They still beat you with a touchdown. By choosing to kick the PAT, Campbell's Lions go up by six. If he goes for two and Jared Goff gets the conversion, you're up by a touchdown. You force Green Bay to score a touchdown and either go for two to beat you or kick the PAT and maybe play you in overtime. But that six-point lead, that that means nothing. Five or six, what the hell are you doing? That's that's a situation where you do go ahead and go for two. So even in victory, and there have been two of them now for Detroit this year, next up for the Bears this coming Sunday at Soldier Field. Uh, you find reasons to grind your teeth. The Bills fell yesterday. Jets 20, Buffalo 17. Robert Sala's Jets are 6-3. and three. The Bills are 6-2. and two. Josh Allen, of course, led the Bills in rushing again. Nine attempts for 86 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Singletary and uh, the younger brother of Dalvin Cook, James Cook, I don't even want to call Singletary by his first name anymore. I just call him by his number, 26. Combined for 12 carries for 39 yards. No Naheem Hines. He did dress. He was targeted once, but they didn't have him carry the football. The newcomer acquired from Indianapolis, so the bills come up short. Josh Allen took the blame afterwards, said, I played like shit. He threw two picks, fumbled twice, didn't lose any of them. He also was sacked five times. A quiet day by Buffalo standards for Stephon Diggs. Five catches for 93 yards did not score a touchdown. But the Jets behind the homecoming king, the youthful in appearance quarterback, Zach Wilson, uh, just good enough to to wiggle out a win. They didn't beat themselves. The Jets don't do that. They had only three penalties yesterday. So they emerged victoriously, and suddenly the Bills – don't look like the juggernaut. We all thought they were going to be. Buccaneers 16, Rams 13. It is impossible to believe these are two teams who recently won Super Bowls. The most recent two Super Bowls because they both were dreadful offensively yesterday and both have struggled all season. The Buccaneers have no running game This is your last two Super Bowl winners. These are your last two Super Bowl winners. And at halftime, they tied the NFL high-water mark for the season for most three-and-out series with seven. There were 16 punts on the day. None more exciting than the 74-yarder unloaded by Tampa rookie Jake Camarda. Thunderfoot. The fourth-round pick out of Georgia, booming the ball. Six punts for an average of 59.5. And a terrible non-challenge on the Jets' sideline. Todd Bowles chooses not to challenge a mark when the official ruled one of the punts had crossed the goal line even though the replay did not... This is one of those bombs the kid kicked, Kamara kicked. And it looked like it came back. It looked like a beautiful pitching wedge, and it comes back. I don't think it broke the goal line, broke the plane. The official ruled touchback. Rams ball at their own 20. You know, no, let's challenge that. The broadcasters um, were all over that. They couldn't figure out why in the world. That wasn't challenged, and I had to agree with him on that. Buccaneers, 16, Rams, 13. Sean McVay's Rams are in free fall. Uh, and the Buccaneers, now uh, now off to, uh, to Europe. Got to have more games in Europe. Uh, managed to keep their season alive. They are in the AFC South, so there is nothing that can preclude them, really, from uh, from winning the division, the Vikings win over the Commanders yesterday, twenty to seventeen. Minnesota is seven and one. Nobody seems to know that. Nobody seems to care. Kirk Cousins shirtless and dancing on the Vikings' flight back to Minneapolis. You gonna put your 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 coins in the middle and say, "Yep, I'm going with Kirk Cousins. Have at it. I like the dude. I don't think you can win very often because of him." I just, I I don't, as much as I like their playmakers, Justin Jefferson, the young tight end from Notre Dame, Merv Smith Jr., and when Adam Thielen feels like playing along with Dalvin Cook as a running back, they've got a lot of weapons offensively. I just don't know if there's any there, there, if you will. 20 to 17 over a, a a limp Washington team offensively one of the worst in football but the Vikings you know you play who's on the schedule they're 7 and 1 congratulations to the Vikings the Bengals got back to being the Bengals again yesterday 42 to 21 easy winners over the Panthers Joe Mixon had a monster day for the stripes five touchdowns on the day much to the delight of many fantasy football players around the country, I am not among them. I don't have Joe Mixon. I always have him when he gets when he has his bad year. Seahawks over the Cardinals yesterday, 31 to 21. Pete Carroll's Seahawks paid attention to by nobody before this season started. Are 6 and 3. And again, the rookie out of Michigan State, Kenneth Walker, with a huge day. 109 rushing yards on 26 attempts, a couple of touchdowns. Geno Smith doing just fine as he gets his, uh, his ninth game under his belt now. Six and three Seahawks, led by Smith, 26 out of 34 for 275 yards, two touchdowns. He was picked once. When when the Cardinals went to the locker room, even though it was at home in Glendale, trailing 10-7, to 7, you knew their fate was sealed because Cliff Kingsbury's record when trailing at halftime is abysmal. They don't come back from halftime deficits, and there was more dysfunction on the Arizona sideline Stuff that's typical in NFL games, but stuff when it's captured by cameras and commented on by broadcasters, seems like such a big deal. Murray had a very animated conversation with DeAndre Hopkins. That didn't end. And then Kingsbury joined in the conversation. Oh, man, it is going to be fun later this week when Hard Knocks in season begins its second season. Uh, If there are interesting dynamic head coaches, assistant coaches or quarterbacks involved, those programs can be very, very good. I think that's the case with this second installment of in-season hard knocks. Let me quickly hit you with a couple of other games, the other games that were played yesterday, because I'm about out of time here. Even though I'm not on a clock, I consider myself about out of time. Explain that one. In overtime last night, the Chiefs beat the Titans twenty to seventeen. King Henry returned for Tennessee, one hundred and fifteen rushing yards on only seventeen attempts, an average of seven point eight yards per carry. Patrick Mahomes does everything for Kansas City last night. 43 out of 68 for 446 yards. He only threw one touchdown pass. He was picked as well. And he also led the Chiefs in rushing six carries for 63 yards. Travis Kelsey was targeted 17 times last night. Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, my sweet McCall also had uh, had productive nights. So, uh, the Chiefs managed to bump their record to six and two. They survive against Tennessee, five and three, still in charge. It appears for the duration, maybe in the AFC South. And one of the reasons the Titans look like they're going to win the South is because the Colts are in absolute free fall. And I think they proved trade deadline week. They are ready for the draft. Poor Sam Ellinger. I thought he was going to get wheeled off on a gurney. Yesterday afternoon, I bet the Patriots yesterday they were they were four and a half point favorites over Indianapolis. They won the game 26 to three and it wasn't even that close. Uh, Ellinger just getting his brains beaten in snap after snap and getting hit while his body was contorted and he looks like a little guy. I don't say, I didn't look up what the Colts list him at. What pro football reference might have him at, but he looks like such a tiny little fella. So, so young looking. I felt bad for him like he was one of my own sons because those New England defenders have been very angry this year, especially number nine, Matthew Judon, the former Raven. He had a big game yesterday. Um, leading the charges for a Patriots defense that gave up absolutely nothing to an undermanned Indianapolis offense. No Jonathan Taylor, no offense for you. The Colts had 121 yards of offense. I saw a stat before the game that that made me up the ante on New England, and I don't like to do this because I think trends often are about as meaningful as asking a tarot card, a tarot card reader. to to give you the outcome of the game. But Belichick in his career against quarterbacks who were making either their first or second career starts only is just off the chart, obscenely good. Uh, Quarterbacks posting a rating of fewer than 50 points in however many 25 or 30 tries. When he prepares for those young quarterbacks, he drives them to madness by disguising different blitz packages. And that's what they did all day to the Colts, and the Patriots had the double thud as well. A, a nice extension of of the fingertips coming all the way from the uh, from the corner, covering the flyer. You don't see that every day. Jaguars over the Raiders yesterday, twenty seven to twenty. Don't have a whole hell of a lot to say about this one. Josh McDaniel is making me look the fool. I thought the Raiders were going to be really good this year. I thought they would be one of the better stories in the NFL with Devontae Adams on board. And he had a great day yesterday. He caught 10 passes for 146 yards and a couple of touchdowns. But that's pretty much all they have. Uh, Josh Jacobs held in check yesterday. Darren Waller. Still in the tub, can't get healthy, and um, they don't stop much either. Travis ATN—that means Steve in French, in case you didn't know. Travis Steve, uh, the Jaguars' running back, had twenty-eight carries for one hundred and nine yards, a couple of touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence was pretty sharp too. Jaguars bumped their record to three and six. The Raiders, two and six. Jacksonville, twenty-seven. Las Vegas, twenty. Lastly. The Chargers still in it in the AFC West. They muscle out a 20-17 win over the Falcons. LAC now 5-3 on the year. Brandon Staley's offense still trying to find its way. Justin Herbert has been playing with bad ribs most of the year. Austin Eckler bottled up nicely by the Falcons' defense yesterday, but they just don't have enough. They come up short 20 to 17. Uh, tonight they will punctuate in New Orleans, week nine of this 2022 season with the Saints, a slight underdog against John Harbaugh's Baltimore Ravens. It has not been a very friendly weekend for chalk players, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Ravens tonight, and I would encourage you to not sit on your hands this evening, you know, and it's, unless you got your ass absolutely handed to you Sunday. And I don't like believing that, you know, what you earn is is not house money. That's your money. You have earned that money. But it's the midway point, and it's the Ravens who have Roquan Smith on board right now to help Patrick Queen, Queen Tangerine, and that purple defense because uh, I I think they're going to have their way with a turnover-prone New Orleans offense. The Ravens' defense has underwhelmed, but most of that was early in the season. I think they're finding their stride a little bit more of late. And uh, Alvin Kamara, the last surviving member of my fantasy team this week who just missed a 100-yard receiving day last week, And since he was productive last week and finally found the end zone, that tells me the Ravens are going to stuff it up his giggy tonight. And uh, it'll be a tough night for New Orleans. Bears and Lions to be previewed later in the week as we approach week 10. I'm eager to hear all of the yak on Chicago sports talk over the next couple of weeks. But more than anything, I'm eager to get back to you on my podcast for Thursday. Uh, I want to thank Adam Delavit. He is Baby Capone. He's the boss at the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you, Adam, for giving me these chances twice a week and for being the title sponsor of my terrestrial show as well on WJOB and Hammond. That show airs on Fridays between noon and 2. You can find it on the TuneIn app anywhere you are in the world. Sam Michael is our executive producer. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Enjoy a little setback sweetener because Justin Fields just- – Justin Fields earned you a cupcake yesterday or a Dairy Queen. Whatever it is that satisfies your sweet tooth, have a little setback sweetener because the Bears have a quarterback who can run the football really well. Where that gets them ultimately, I'm not sure it'll be very far. But it was fun yesterday, wasn't it? I'm Danny Mack. Have a great week. I'm Tail Lights.